everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the engineering side of data. The topic of conversation today is data quality in the world of analytics, uh, business intelligence, data science, all that good stuff. I have a guest here to help me do that. His name is JP Uratia. JP, thanks for coming on the show. Please introduce yourself. Hey, uh, Bob, thanks for having me. It's great to be talking with another data professional. Um, yeah, my name is JP Rutia. I am uh, a data engineer. Um, my background is um, mainly in data engineering, a little bit of business intelligence and data science. Um, I've done some private equity consulting, some um, consulting at a corporate level, um, and I'm currently working in the sports gambling realm uh, as a data engineer. Um, I work at Swiss Analytics. Um, I, yeah, I, I, uh, we work a lot with uh, financial transactions and, um, you know, one thing that uh, I guess now's the time to talk about it. One thing that I'm doing is also trying to create more content. Um, so I recently released a couple of blogs and we'll be releasing another one soon on kind of Kubernetes for dummies. So um, if this nice. is the time to kind of make that plug, then um, there it is. So thank you for having me. Uh, again, great to talk to another data professional, and um, I'm excited. Great. Yeah, I, I got your, um, I think you had building spark for the M1 chip. So I got that one. Is that you? If, if I got that right, I got that bookmarked. Yeah. Y yeah. yeah. Uh, just look, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of people have had issues with installing spark in the past, and yep. um, even with the new machines. Yeah. I remember you and I chatting on on Twitter about that, about the the fun stuff with M1 and how it related to Docker containers. And that still that's right. is, that's probably my biggest, yeah, thing I've run up against. So yeah, I'll definitely, yeah, I'll have to catch the, um, catch up on that blog and, and uh, keep track of any future blogs. I'll put those links in the show notes. Um, also follow JP on Twitter. He's got, he's a good follow on Twitter. Um, he throws in a lot of data-related content and the occasional cooking tweet I've noticed too. I always come away hungry. Man. Always cooking this good stuff. It makes me feel bad. My my low rent cooking stuff that I put together. So he's definitely well, up in the game out there. <laughs> come to Texas. We'll get you some good barbecue. We'll we'll, we'll oh, grill up some good food. Excellent. Yeah, I need to make it down to the what is it? The data council data day maybe. Which one? There's, there's, there's two of them, Both right? of them, yeah, yeah. yeah um, that's right. Data Council, I think, is in the spring, and then Data Day is like late, late Data Day Texas is late January. Oh, okay, yeah. So next year. Well, good deal. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. Again, we're talking about some data quality stuff today, so let's get into that. Um, yeah, give us, and it's a broad term, but yeah, give us your definition of data quality, kind of what it is and yeah, the, specifically what problems they're trying to solve with data quality and yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, like you said, it's a broad thing, but uh, data quality, I mean, um, and I wouldn't even call this my definition. Um, I, I got this from, uh, from Mark Freeman, uh, a guy that I talked to a lot about data quality and data in general, but um, you know, for 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 a simple definition, it's it's really just an organization's ability to understand the degree of correctness of its data, um, 
you know, a lot of people think that uh, it's a thing that, you know, is going to help correct erroneous data or help the business solve its problems for data, like, you know, it's bad data. Um, and, and that's part of it too, right? Um, there's, there's all these things that go into it. But I think to keep it simple, at the end of the day, it's just really a way for your business or organization to help understand the health and state of your data in whatever stage of its life cycle that it's in. Um, and, and, yeah. and yeah, I think, yeah. I like that. That's kind of, a, you have to start there anyway, right? So you have to get that ability to measure the data hygiene in your organization, realize that solving it is uh, obviously, like you stated, is highly desirable. But if at least you have some awareness there, right? You can track it, you can um, monitor it, address it, know what things you can count on, what things need some additional work. That's where the that's where the bulk of the of the battle is, and that's where you start, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, what's a typical data quality program or department look like in an organization? Like, what is what what What's there some stuff behind the scenes to, to track this stuff? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what, what, what I would say is, um, you know, a lot of times these things come up uh, when, uh, you know, the organization is starting to see problems in their data. Uh, and then it's, it's a matter of, okay, uh, we really need to identify what's wrong we maybe maybe need to throw a team to build out how to monitor or understand this. I think um, what what it kind of I mean to what it kind of looks like from a, a, a team to tool pers- perspective, even though that's kind of like a long path. I mean, really, um, a lot of times. Uh, a lot of times you want to have, you know, maybe like data engineers that know how to build certain uh, infrastructure to um, monitor the monitor the data pipelines, monitor the data itself. Um, but really, really, I want to step back and just I think one of the most important things really is, um, you know, what does quality look like? What does quality mean for your organization? I think that's one of the most important things in identifying. Um, because yeah, if you do get a problem and you do have some sort of data issue, maybe some sort of decision was made with that data. Uh, yeah, I think the, the the real the real threshold or the real foundation is to set up what quality looks like. What is what is valid data? Um, does you know can this data have nulls? A lot of people don't like nulls in their data, but if it can have nulls, why? You know, um, sometimes you'll bring in some analysts to. Uh, understand the data, understand, you know, what quality means in setting certain thresholds for certain numeric values, certain categories, uh, things like that. And so I think that, yeah, really understanding what quality means to you is the first step. Um, from there, you kind of set those, you know, for lack of a better term, expectations. I don't want to start throwing tool names or which tools are the best, like great expectations, but um, really understanding what what you expect from your data and then from there kind of start finding ways to uh, really uh, really keep those thresholds in place um, if you can and I think you know um, 
I'm just trying to think like, I think that um, when you start understanding that, then you can start talking about building out a tool and building out maybe a custom framework or you want to, you know, buy a tool, um, things like that. Um, but I think the, the most important thing is, is, is knowing what quality means. Um, and from there, you can build off of that. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're not talking to vendors day one, right? What do you got? What can solve the problems, right? Because you have to define what ails you. Find out, you know, hey, these are these are the things that we need to measure, and then backing into the quality of our data and how that's affected. I can yeah. imagine that having a good handle on what data you have. So maybe even as a preliminary step. So do you think like a data catalog is uh, beneficial for that type of um, so knowing where all your data lives and lineage and things of that nature. I guess that's making the assumption that you have all that information, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a whole nother thing, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, for sure. I think one of the, uh, not only just understanding your data, but um, having some sort of inventory that lets you understand what kind of assets you have, um, what kind of profile that data has. Um, like you said, lineage, I think, I mean, and these are all terms that, you know, we could say are building blocks of, of data quality. Um, but I think, I think what we're talking now more is a little bit of a people problem as opposed to technical problem. And that is, you know, um, if you don't have, you know, your data assets well inventorized or you don't have, you know, a way to really track changes or things that are happening in your data, um, then you're kind of just at the mercy of whatever um, is happening in your code and your pipelines and your, you know, whatever external data sources you're receiving, things of that nature. Um, things could get out of hand pretty quickly. Um, so having that sort of infrastructure in place to, I mean, uh, really, really have a good picture of what's happening is important. And, and of course the tool comes with it. Even all those subsections of data quality have their own tooling and things like that. But um, it's kind of like these like high level principles that will help you uh, know how you're gonna take on certain issues as they arise, so. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of research up front, right? Getting to know your data. And, uh, yeah, like you said, start coming up with those uh, expectations or, or measures that you want to go with. Yeah. Which I imagine would be a new ex a new exercise for a lot of folks out there, right? A lot of them have a vague idea of the data, uh, but to the detail necessary of the, of the hygiene of it, it's probably a whole nother deal. So this would be a worthwhile exercise for a lot of folks. I'll, I'll give know. you an example. Um, you know, we, I helped my company and currently helping my company put together data quality framework in place. Um, and one of the things was, yeah, let's write some checks. Let's, let's write some things that we expect the data from um, and the data sources and, and the tables and the files, et cetera. Um, and sure, you could probably start off and build some common things, you know, whatever check for null values where they shouldn't be, et cetera. But as you start getting into it, it's really important to have, 
gathered certain requirements in certain conversations with people in the organization, data scientists, producers of the data set, maybe it's a client that you're getting data from, and the people who are receiving the data kind of got that, that you know, requirement gathering, super yeah. important. Um, it's, it's one thing that I am facing uh, in, a, in a way that we took the approach of building as opposed to requirement gathering, and now we're going back and we're kind of iterating upon um, building with the requirement gathering it's not a technical thing, but it's very much an important thing and very, very much critical to uh, the technical work downstream. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, it's super, super valuable. Yeah, I can imagine. So sometimes in my experience, sometimes it can be difficult to get buy-in for a data quality program. Do you find that to be the case? Do you, yeah, we're in your experiences. Has it been, has it been tough? What have you heard? What have you done? And then if there's any tips that you could share with the, the audience about helping get around that to convince folks that this is a worthwhile effort. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, a lot of times, and I have a, a blog post, not mine, but one of, like I mentioned, Mark, uh, he has a blog post that's very good for a kind of buying into data initiatives. But what I can just say is is that, and we can share that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is um, sometimes it's 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 two approaches, right? It's it's maybe even more, but two of the approaches I think of are uh, if something bad happens, you know, some sort of uh, some sort of dashboard broke or some sort of API looked way off and, and, you know, business leaders are, you know, something's wrong. That's sometimes the first approach where it's something's wrong with our data. What's happening? Um, how do we go back and fix it? And sometimes that is kind of that fear approach where when something breaks, then the organization will buy in. And then there's, hey, let's start developing a framework that will help us be more proactive about this. Other times, I think that, um, you know, if, if you recognize an opportunity for uh, data quality in your organization and, and maybe necessarily you guys don't have something in place, but you want to build something out. I mean, seeing the, you know, one of the things that's talked about a lot in the industry is the ROI on data quality or maybe even data contracts and um, thinking about how much money you're saving by having a proactive data quality framework in place, whether that's the impact that's made from decisions with bad data, or that's the amount of time that your engineers are spending on investigating bad data and fixing it and going back and making changes, um, which will probably happen even if you do have a data quality framework in place, but at least you're minimizing that sort of cost and you're looking at, um, you know, salary, uh, salary savings in terms of, you know, uh, my engineer is not spending 40% of their time fixing data quality issues. They're actually innovating, building out new tools and really helping us get to a better place in our product or in our business as a whole. Um, and so showing that trade-off in one approach or showing off, you know, if there's bad things happening with your business and you're understanding that we need to be more proactive about this, um, can definitely be a couple of ways to, get that buy-in and get your organization to really understand that it needs that level of quality in place or that framework to ensure that quality. That makes sense. 
so on one hand you you might if you have a reactive situation where you do have an incident and we're like hey let's not make it a second time let's shore up some things and get some things in place to help us track and and remediate some of these issues um and then there's also hopefully you can go the proactive route where you're getting out in front of this like you described as well where you can start measuring the impact of data quality and dollars and cents and and hopefully convince some folks before it's uh uh before there's uh, 2 a.m calls right yeah no, yeah that makes perfect sense okay yeah um yeah. Hey, tell me about this. Um, I think we were talking about this idea of this uh, podcast. We were kicking around some ideas. And, and one of the things I noticed you were doing was the, the book club for data quality, right? The, what was the book title again, if you could? Yeah. Um, so the book was the Data, uh, data Quality Fundamentals. Ah, that's right. Yes. Bob Moses. Um, I believe, uh, and, and I believe um, Molly Verwick and a couple of other people over at um, uh, Monte Carlo um, helped uh, in the writing of this book. And um, it's a great book. Uh, it's a book that I used to um, sort of scope out what a, building a data quality framework in a company looks like. Um, I mean, it's 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 pretty great in in you know showing various approaches as far as, uh, I mean, I think, I, I think one of them was just really understanding what data quality is, why we need it. Um, what are the building blocks for a data quality framework? Uh, what does it look like to kind of collect data quality metrics? Where does data quality fit in, uh, the, you know, maybe like in a data pipeline or a data lifecycle, um, looking at ROI on data quality, um, things like that. And, the whole purpose of the, the whole purpose of the book club, and in this case, what we did was we did a two sessions. We did the first session with um, myself and Mark, um, and we had some attendees. We talked about the book itself, um, you know, maybe some context into how it could fit into people's workflows. Then we did like a uh, a chat after the fact to get people more involved, have you know people ask questions about data quality. Um, this is all part of the Data Quality Camp Slack channel, which is a great place for people to come in, meet others, ask questions, uh, learn some data quality topics, share their own. Um, and um, yeah, the second session was great too. We had Chad uh, Sanderson and Molly, one of the authors of the book, uh, come in and have a discussion of their own. And then we broke that out into some discussions as well so that people could really kind of bring what they knew or what they read in the book or none at all, and then come in, talk about the book, talk about data quality. Um, and, and it's something that, um, you know, just the point of the book club is to have a, uh, a community uh, driven place for people to come and discuss a topic that interests them and a topic that we, you know, that I think, and I think many people might agree, might not agree, but, um, just that data quality is such an important thing in our industry. And um, I think people are seeing that more and more. So to get, to do it in a fun way and have people come and have some chats to meet other people in the data world is, is great. Great. Yeah. I, those uh, community led initiatives are always uh, very powerful. Uh, there's probably just not enough of them. Right. So I'm glad to see that this one is, is out there. Are there any, is it concluded for now or is there any future plans to do 
uh, more of those or to maybe go at it again from the, yeah. from the beginning? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I think we do have plans of, of continuing that. I think it's been on hold for a little bit, but um, hopefully we can get that get get that back up uh, soon here. Excellent. Yeah, I think that would be uh, definitely worthwhile and, and give a, more folks a chance to enjoy it. I know that I, I did not participate in the book club, but I would had a chance to review some of the materials you sent over, and it was a lot of great content. I'm sure the uh, and I haven't read the book uh, yet, but uh, after reviewing some of the notes from uh, from you that you'd sent over yeah definitely it was like oh yeah that's that is a lot of good information to know and, and it really had me thinking about data quality in, in some different ways and some of the things i need to be doing better yeah, absolutely i think i think yeah things that we can all be doing better um but we can definitely share uh i think we have some recording of one of the sessions and and perhaps a, the second one um that we might be able to share as well Absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah. If we could include those in the show notes, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. One of the, so one of the, speaking of those, that materials that you sent over, maybe it was the first session that I, I watched some of the uh, recording of, there was this concept of the rise of data downtime. Yeah. Yeah. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, what like what is data downtime? Um, so data downtime is basically um, when data is in a missing, you know, either missing or otherwise erroneous. Uh, but it's basically, you know, and according to the book, it's basically saying bad data. Um, you know, it's kind of like I think uh, in the software engineering world, um, you know, application downtime, right? There's some sort of downtime with the application, and then um, issues all across the board. Maybe people can access the interface. Um, maybe a server's down. Um, but in this case, it's particularly to data. Um, and and uh, basically, what has happened is we are in such a fast-paced and quickly changing landscape that um, you know, the more complex we get, the more opportunity for data downtime uh, grows. You know we're migrating to the cloud. And so the cloud becomes more important because all of our data is hosted in the cloud and there's many ways that cloud services can break. Um, we're getting data we're getting data from disparate data sources all over, um, different data formats. And so that's leading to more uh, potential for erroneous data. Um, our data pipelines are getting more complex. Uh, leading to more dependencies and that, you know, again, can spike up some downtime. Um, and then, you know, having specialized versus decentralized data teams, um, maybe looking at specialized with more uh, users working with data, um, more people, um, you know, producing data, causing more, more, more potential error. And then, you know, maybe there's people that uh, aren't able to access certain data. And so that's another issue um, where accuracy may not be um, uh, up to standard. And so it's really just this thing where, you know, as we kind of grow as an industry, we have more opportunities for bad data. And, and you know, we talked about this kind of reactive approach and it's becoming more and more visible 
that we have more and more data downtime because of how much we're changing. And so it's really just, you know, and, and some bad data that we might have affect our organization. Gotcha. So systems have become more distributed. Our data sources have become more varied. Our teams have come become more decentralized. And then the dependence on data has gone up. All the all the recipes that uh, yeah are that's good you know you yeah um, in terms of the dependency a- aspects of it uh, but yeah that that makes more sense now that uh, yeah we had the more yeah more potential for data downtime with with uh, those things we talked about with the distributed systems and the decentralized teams and all that good stuff yeah. Yeah, no, it's gone is the days. Of, oh, all we need to do is source our main system. Um, yeah, that just, that's maybe exists in certain cases, but there are a lot of cases out there where it's not only that, it's the CRM that we use. It's this third, this vendor information that we have to get via API. And um, yeah, because we want that complete picture, uh, but then the risk goes up. That makes a lot of sense. Totally, totally. I mean, at an enterprise level, I'm sure it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can certainly, um, yeah, seen that before. Um, yeah, interesting. Yes, one of the other, so one of the other things in in the in the book club that was talked about, and obviously, in, probably in the book as well, is this uh, idea of a of a circuit breaker type of a incident or example. Like, could you, yeah, add some color to that? Like what's going on? You mean, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know when when we have um, data quality, you know what 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 we're what we'll be working with is we want to implement data quality into our pipelines. Um, we want um, anywhere from an upstream data source to a downstream data source to meet certain expectations that we've set, um, and so. Basically, a circuit breaker can come into play to ensure um, standards. Uh, for example, um, if we put a circuit breaker uh, upstreaming a data pipeline, uh, pipeline may stop running uh, when the data doesn't when data doesn't meet a certain uh, set of quality thresholds. Um, we're pausing data workflows in some instances in the middle of a pipeline. Um, if that data is found to be either inaccurate, erroneous, or not, again, meeting those thresholds. Um, and, and there's, you know, it, it also incorporates levels of criticality, right? If if, uh, if I have critical level SLAs or expectations, then I don't want that data to be moved down uh, in my process or in my workflow to then get to a source and cause errors in my reporting, analytics, et cetera. Um, so it's it's kind of setting that uh, filtering and way of preventing you know critical data downstream uh, from getting negatively impacted. I believe it's there's two circuit states, and then I think you know we're, we're talking also specifically a little bit in the context of maybe like airflow or or just data pipelines in general. Um, but you know if, if a circuit is closed, I believe it's because data is flowing through the pipeline, and if it's open, then it's not. Um, things like, you know, I mean, you can even put SQL check operators, I believe is another airflow um, tool that can be used to kind of check your data's logic via SQL. Um, so it's really just a way to uh, prevent any downstream data um, 
from not meeting your expectations uh, up or up from okay. your pipeline. Gotcha. It's for those, those severe data quality issues, right? That you want to, I guess, special care of. There probably there's probably some that you just document and move on and just say, hey, we have another occurrence of this, but there's are some examples where we want to stop the process, right? And um, would that be something that, in terms of how, when we do, you know, it, do, is this data quality issue a circuit breaker worthy item? I imagine that's decided up front when you're talking to stakeholders in the initial discovery phase of, hey, you know, these are things we want to measure. And then, hey, when we come across these things, this is how we want to handle them. Type yeah, I uh, I learned that there there can be um, you know in this proactive approach, there's kind of three ways of looking at it. It's you know what you know do what's going to be the cost of me letting this thing run and letting this data getting downstream. What's going to be the cost of me trying to prevent it from getting downstream? Um, and what was the other one? It was uh, what's going to be the cost of if it does get downstream, how am I going to fix it? Um, what's going to be the then time spent or the or effort spent to then fix it if it does get downstream? Um, it's just kind of like what's your trade off? What's your level of uh, what's your level of, of, of desire of fixing the issue where? Um, so it's definitely it definitely matters to your business and understanding what matters to your business to kind of let that process go on yeah no, that makes sense speaking of fixing the issues i've had over my career i've had a number of examples of data quality issues being discovered um often times by somebody ran a report and said this looks crazy what's going on so they call the analytics team, the business intelligence team. They go, oh, okay, well, that's how it's represented upstream in the source system. And so, um, yeah, where, where, what advice or where do you land on where should these issues be fixed? Is it one of those, yeah, it would be great if they were solved upstream, you know, close to the source as possible, if not in the source, or do you find them often being fixed in the data pipelines downstream? Yeah, what's some of your opinions on that and where you like to to fix these things. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think solving things as upstream as possible is the best. Um, sometimes things are out of your control, whether that's, you know, third party data sources, um, you know, uh, human error, maybe uh, in terms of receiving reports or receiving some sort of data input. Um, I think as upstream as possible is definitely the uh, best approach, but sometimes you can't have that luxury or that uh, ability to do so. So I think, I mean, the way that, the way that I see it is I think that having checks at many stages of the pipeline is important um, at, you know, whether it's uh, the ingestion phase or the transformation phase, or maybe even the analytics side and you're looking at your tables and views um, to be checking what's being used for reporting. Um, I think, th I think that, that that's a way to be super diligent about what's, what's happening and really understanding 
Um, but you know, these are things that I personally would like to eliminate as early as possible. Um, but sometimes it's just, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately not that easy, but, um, it doesn't happen too often. Does it when you convince maybe app developers to fix something like that? <laughs> oh man. And, and I know, you know, uh, one of the biggest things right now, at least from the data quality side is data contracts and, and ensuring, you know, mm-hmm. uh, producers and consumers to be in agreement on what's supposed to be sent from A to B. Uh, I personally haven't practiced or put that into practice or even experienced it in, in depth, but the con- but in concept, it sounds um, like something that could really solve a lot of issues yeah. when, when, you know, just transferring that, that information. Yeah. No, I think that's, yeah, I, me, I, myself, I haven't, you know, I haven't been involved in something like that either uh, from a data contract perspective. I think that would be interesting to see. I think at the very least it would raise awareness. So, so people are aware that, Hey, you know, this is something that is happening upstream. The stakeholders are involved. Um, uh, I, I would be curious to know when, you know, when the rubber hits the road, you know, are these things, you know, are they, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. We, no, yeah, we agree to do that, but we're, we're not going to do that. Yeah. I wonder what happens in in, in those <laughs> cases, but, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, it doesn't hurt to try. Right. No. Well, I don't know, but no, I'm kidding. But, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely another type of buy-in that's a challenge. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Are people actually signing these things as well? Do you know? I imagine they have like sign on a dotted line. Yeah. Well, okay. it, hopefully. I mean, hopefully. I don't know. Um, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. I uh, I, I think yeah. that, you know, even, even then, what are the consequences yeah. of, of signing it and not adhering to those uh, yeah. agreements? Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think that's uh, maybe some legal. Uh, legal uh expertise that i don't have everybody brings lawyers (laughs) i doubt it goes that far i guess for the for the audience i what i interpret from these data contracts that it it addresses schema right it says hey this is this is what we agree upon this is a format that we agree upon you know like how we'll get it time imagine intervals you know time is it batch or is it live with a latency of five minutes and and then also probably some you know and in a perfect world, some data quality expectations as well that we all agreed upon and are aware of. Are there anything else to, that you are aware of that are typically in these data contracts? Any other things that are addressed? To be honest, um, I, I can't give a, a good yeah. answer to that. Um, I I would hope that maybe, uh, you know, like you said, schema. I don't know if, um, you know, distribution is involved there. Uh, but I think that that's a thing that needs to be dynamically handled. I don't know if certain fixed yeah. values um, may change, but um, I know that, I mean, it, yeah, I, I think it's something that I definitely need to uh, educate myself on more. But, uh, yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's something that yeah. I hope solves a lot of problems, at least. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about that. That's not a That's not a bad thing, right? Yeah, because typically, yeah, it's right now the method of 
hey, this is a problem upstream. Can you fix it? No, my backlog is, yeah, I can throw it on the backlog, but I'll get to it in 12 months or something like that. And then analytics team grouses about it for for a long period of time and then nothing and the gets done. has changed already many times since yeah. that happened. <laughs> exactly. Well, you didn't have a problem when I changed it five times ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's, you're right. That's a, we won't solve that one today, but uh, yeah, that's an, always an interesting thing about where and who's responsible for it. But uh, hopefully that's getting better. And yeah, I'd like to see some more movement uh, on the contract front and, get some more buy-in with that i guess time will tell right yeah i, I agree time will yeah. tell and hopefully yeah. that uh you know gets good momentum yeah hey one of the other things that, that caught my attention in the, the book club materials was this idea of um data quality challenges in in the world of streaming does that is that uh or is there anything new and different or is it mainly the they just happen a lot faster in the streaming world is that what's the takeaway there? Yeah, I think um I think one of the things with that is 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 trade-off really um because I think what happens is um when you're, you know, with batch you'll have most likely higher data quality but lower availability with the streaming side of things you may have lower quality with higher availability um it's an interesting thing. I think like, you know, I personally haven't worked on implementing data quality within a streaming pipeline or some sort of, you know, um, uh, event or not event, but, but um, I don't even want to call yeah. it real time, but we'll call it, yeah, we'll call it uh just, we'll just call it a stream. But um, I think, I think, yeah, that's the trade-off. It's, it's, it's availability versus um, quality in some regard. Um, what does your business need streaming for? And if, if it's really important, um, which in many cases it can be, um, you're, you're expect, you should expect some sort of sacrifice of maybe quality or availability if you don't have other processes in place in place to prevent that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think with, you know, with batch, you have these expected intervals and, and you have kind of time to uh, implement these checks. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, there's some speed. Um, yeah. That can definitely be a the, yeah. It changes the problem slightly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, have you, have you had the opportunity to um, see it? I mean, very time. basic stuff, noting things and something like some kind of a, a stream processor thing um, is most likely um, where, you, where you'd end up seeing, at least in my my limited experience with streaming stuff, is noting them, you know, during the aggregation. Oh, yep, this is a this is problematic. Maybe even sending them down a different path, as in publishing them to a different Kafka or Kinesis data stream. Mm -hmm. um, and saying, "Hey, this is this is problematic, right?" Yeah, right. So treating right. them that way, uh, certainly nothing from a stop the presses type of a deal because that, you know that's very anti real time or streaming. But yeah, just this idea that they could just end up down a different path and, and into the analytics space and and how they're how they're addressed or corrected as well. Uh, certainly, 
as certainly. yeah certainly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we talked a little bit about it and just kind of seeing and and i think it's just good to know that um it it's possible in both you just have to understand where you're trying to kind of allocate maybe like i said availability and quality and mm-hmm. understand that trade-off yep yeah yeah it's kind of one of those another factor in the eyes of data downtime right just another thing that we can include alongside the distributed sure. systems and the decentralized teams is now people want stuff fast but yeah people that's also pro- fast. yeah it's problematic even right. if they don't need it fast they want it fast yeah oh boy we're really we're launching several podcast episodes today jb <laughs> right this idea that yeah yeah that's very true yeah it's a uh, yeah yeah from a tactical standpoint yeah you might need some data pretty quickly but there's nobody in a corner office staring at the output of a of a kafka pipeline a kafka driven pipeline to make a decision on what they're going to do in the third quarter yeah but uh yeah anyway like i said another episode for another time on that yeah um yeah, so uh, what are some of the tools in this space? You know, we've got maybe alluded to some of them, but yeah, what do you typically see as uh, whether it be vendor back stuff or open source solutions? And yeah, who's out there solving this problem already that you can go and and either clone from the your favorite GitHub repo or write a check to some vendor, etc. Yeah, um, so I think. I mean, we could start off with, with the one we mentioned already, and, and that is Grow Expectations. Um, what I know that they do really well is, is they make it um, they, they, they make it uh, easy to um, sort of, you know, identify your assets and set thresholds within those assets or maybe columnar level um, expectations. Um, so Grow Expectations is a very uh, popular one that I know of. It's open source as well as I think they have a paid version as well. Mm-hmm. Um, DEQ, D-E-E-Q-U, I think is an AWS-based uh, tool mm-hmm. that uh, leverages Spark. Um, and then one that came out actually uh, a week or two ago that I'm excited to get my hands on um, is called Spark Expectations. Um, ah, and okay. it was uh, published to GitHub by Nike, um, and their framework um, is, I mean, if you go there, read me, it's super interesting because um, it has a good visual representation of how you can fit this tool into your processes and, you know, cover grounds for all of the important things that it would take for data quality infrastructure to have. And like I said, that's something that I am interested in checking out. Um, I haven't yet, but uh, another, I mean, another concept in that, and that would be just to build your own, which, you know, we know kind of like build versus buy mm-hmm. trade-off is, is um, very on a case-by-case basis. But yeah, um, yeah I think, um, I think, 
it's it's really uh, like yeah goes into those build versus buy you know yeah kind of yeah. where maybe you you know kind of land philosophical in your in your organization or in this particular project i think there's also room like you alluded to earlier about these um, like a, kind of a middle solution there with like an airflow sql operator you can kind of do some stuff there that may not be full-fledged data quality things but that's you know where you want to get started you can start there yeah, yeah even I, writing a little python yeah. Uh, yeah. function yeah, absolutely. Better than nothing, right? You don't need to solve it all day one. I'm, I'm got, interesting that you mentioned DQ. I don't think that gets enough uh, publicity. I've used that in the, I used it around a year ago on a contract that was, I thought it was okay. I thought it was a little bit um, difficult for me to get uh, checks into, you know, kind of in the production world and include those. I'm like, okay, can I? have those somewhere else independent of my pipeline, then pull those in and check the, um, you know, check the data quality. Uh, that was interesting. I did notice that at reInvent last year that they've, that is, they're using DQ to back that, I think it's called data zone. No, wait, that's the catalog solution. I forget whatever the new, or maybe it is the catalog slash data quality uh, service that, anyway, DQ is backing some of that. Um, and they're including a, a lot of nice little data quality stuff in their latest round of services. So that's good. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think DQ is very spark based, right? It so, is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Almost. I think it's exclusively is. And that's for what I was doing. Yeah. It worked perfectly. And I did, I did evaluate grid expectations and there's a lot of stuff to like about grid expectations as well. Um, I just felt like it was the DQ thing was the perfect fit for, what I wanted to do. One of the things I do like about Redis space, it seems like you almost create those expectations through discovery. So I think it's kind of natural to go from, hey, I'm analyzing this data, I'm discovering this data, I'm getting more familiar with my data. And as I do that, I can create these expectations and then I can use them in a production pipeline as well. Yeah, that's so that whole idea of from EDA to production is uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the EDA part is definitely. Um, I mean, if if and if great expectations is helping with that, that is a nice to have for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's. Yeah, hopefully I'm not making all that up. <laughs> but that, that seems to be the what I remember when I evaluated uh, several years ago. That's what it, that's what it, uh, that's what I liked about it: the ability to create those expectations during discovery and then uh, utilize the same ones downstream. Yeah, very slick. Yeah, and I didn't know about Spark expectations. Another one to to keep an eye on. Yeah, new right? shiny yeah. tool. Yeah, new yes, tool. we new toy. we like those. <laughs> I love the new tools. Just in time for Christmas. Get that on yeah. my list, my dear Santa Claus. Yeah, Spark, Spark, Spark expectations is number one on my list. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Anything with anything else with the book club? What are some of the slides that? that really, um, well, you obviously created them, but some of the stuff that uh, really, I don't know, resonated with you in that book and some of the discussions that, that you had with the book club. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, um, you know, we talked about sort of the, the EDA and expectation setting, but um, the metadata component, I think is super important as well as the observability component hand in hand, right? Um, 
having a, a way to uh, visualize and see what's happening, um, as well as tying that to maybe some sort of uh, alert. I mean, I'm sure we've all been flooded with Slack alerts and had things that are constantly pinging us when things break, but um, bring in the criticality side of things and understand what's important to be flagged on. Um, yeah, you know, um, having the metadata, you know, one of the things that I have been doing with our uh, data quality framework is making sure that we are uh, outputting certain um, results that happen from our data quality checks, what kind of, you know, error happened, when it happened, to what asset, what, was it a data set, was it a column? And having that available for us to really understand, um, I think that it's, I mean, the metadata component and, and having an inventory of your data assets for me is um, one that I think was super important and, and leveraging metadata. And I mean, we, I, I know people talk about metadata, 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 like this stuff's really important and we're, we're, we're understanding data about our data, but I, I think it's true. I think, um, <laughs> excuse me, I think having that. Um, is super valuable and um, collecting that. What you know, I, I think a use case that I learned about recently was, um, you know, data scientists like to use, um, you know, you know, have different models and simulations that happen within their um, what their data science workflows, um, and having mm. having metadata um, that maybe shows like performance of those models or what kind of features went into those models and generating those outputs upon different runs, um, having observability into that and metadata on that, um, I find it super valuable. Um, at that point, you start doing, you know, time series analysis or some sort of comparative analysis to understand performance between certain things. And that's just, you know, possible through creating good metadata um, and then having observability into that. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, I didn't... Um... I could definitely see that would be uh, beneficial, and especially if you're in the exploratory mode and kind of the what if mode. Some of the things you're trying to do in the machine learning world, and Absolutely. on the pipeline side as well, right? You know, yeah, you know, true. compute resources, pipeline runtime, yes. um, yes. things of that nature. You know, what yeah. caused a certain spike to happen in our in our processes? Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. I think that that kind of the visual side of it is, is, I mean, at least having the information first, but yeah. that sort of observability yeah. is huge. Yeah. Building a data pipeline nowadays often happens in the cloud. A few more levels, levers to flip, buttons to push, you know, the trade-off of performance and cost and uh, having some more information to kind of help us make those decisions is certainly uh, beneficial, right? Uh, right. Absolutely. Well, JP, I, uh, this has been a great conversation. I've learned a ton, added some more stuff to my reading list. I love it. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Audience, uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. Until the next time, see you later.